Hello and welcome to Hogan Lovell's Newsbeat, the podcast designed to keep you up to date with what's been happening in the world of pensions over the last two weeks. I'm Claire Southern from the HL team and I'll be taking you through the twists and turns of the last 14 days. We'll be looking at the new draft funding and investment regulations, some guidance from the pensions regulator on investing in private markets, and a couple of rulings from the court on amendment powers. So first up, you may recall that back in 2022, the Department of Work and Pensions issued a consultation on draft funding and investment regulations. We then had a draft funding code from the pensions regulator, which was meant to work alongside those regulations. The draft regulation set out a requirement on trustees to start planning for their end game, essentially deciding where the scheme would end up, at self-sufficiency or buy-in, and a plan for how they would get there. The industry had queried a number of points in the draft code and regulations, and the Department of Work and Pensions and Pensions Regulator had gone away to work through these. The new draft regulations include a number of amendments, including changes to deal with concerns raised about scheme maturity. The Department of Work and Pensions has stated in their response that the new draft makes clearer the flexibilities built into the regulations, provides assurance that the sustainable growth of the sponsoring employer's business is a matter to consider, and makes it explicit that open schemes can take account of new entrants and future accrual when determining when the scheme will reach significant maturity. We're now just awaiting the pension regulator's new funding code to fill in some of the gaps. Interestingly, we've been told that this will accompany changes to the fast-track parameters which the pensions regulator is looking at. Next up, our friends in Brighton, the pensions regulator, have turned their minds to private market assets. New guidance for pension scheme trustees on investing in private market assets was published on the 24th of January. The guidance sets out and defines the types of private market assets, including private equity, private debt, private real estate, and infrastructure and natural resources. It includes information on how to access the private markets and the factors to consider when looking to invest, including ease of access and governance requirements. It also outlines some key considerations for trustees when deciding to invest in private markets. First, trustee knowledge and understanding. Trustee boards must have the right knowledge and understanding of private markets to effectively engage with advisors and protect members' interests. Second, governance budget. Trustees should aim to set a governance budget to allow them to receive an appropriate level of advice and service from their investment service providers. And finally, investment requirements and scheme governance. Trustees should consider how they expect the scheme to develop in the future and how the assets might be used as part of a diversified portfolio to meet the scheme's objectives and requirements. We've also had a couple of interesting cases from the courts. First up, it's Avon Calling, or rather, it's Avon Cosmetics versus Dalriada Trustees Limited and others. The case is the latest from the High Court on pension scheme amendment powers. An amendment had been made to the scheme, which severed the link to final salary for members. Benefits in respect to future service would be based on a revaluation basis and no longer linked to final salary. This would result in some members being better off, which recalled revaluation winners 
because the change linking their benefits to revaluation would give them a higher pension than if their pension continued to be linked to final salary. Conversely, some members would be worse off, which were called final salary winners, because they would have done better if their benefits had remained linked to final salary. Now, the scheme amendment power prohibited any amendment which, quote, prejudiced any rights accrued or secured up to the date on which the amendment was made. Now, it was understood that the amendment had breached the restriction. Final salary winners would clearly be prejudiced by the amendment. The question then was how to deal with an amendment which breached the amendment power for some members, but not others. The court held that, in effect, the amendment was good for revaluation winners, so those who had done well from the amendment, but it failed in respect of those who had been prejudiced by it, the final salary winners. So all in all, this turned out to be a pretty duff amendment for the employer. What was probably intended to be a benefit cut actually ended up being a benefit improvement. We've also had the case of Newell Trustees Limited versus Newell Rubbermaid UK Services Limited. I have to say I did raise an eyebrow at the name Rubbermaid and did a quick Google to search to see what it was all about. You'll be relieved to know that they seem to be in the business of Tupperware rather than anything more exciting. Anyway, to the substance of the matter. The High Court was asked to consider the validity of amendments to a pension scheme back in 1992. Amendments had been introduced that allow members aged 45 and over to stay in the final salary scheme, but provided that those below that age would be transferred to a defined contribution scheme. A cash transfer sum of their accrued rights in the final salary scheme was calculated and paid over to the money purchase scheme. Now, the validity of the changes were being queried on two bases. The first was that it was unlawful age discrimination. The judge made clear that as this all happened back in 1992, well before anyone had even thought of something called age discrimination, it wasn't relevant. So that one died a quick death. Next up, though, he looked at whether the amendments had been validly made. He concluded in broad terms that they had, but there was a sting in the tail. The amendment power did not allow amendments, as would prejudice or impair the benefits accrued in respect of membership up to that time. Because of that restriction, the judge ordered that the cash transfer sum should have taken into account the salary link and this needed to be revisited. So, a big thank you for listening to the session. I hope that you've enjoyed the whip through of the last two weeks. If you'd like to know more about us, please click on the link.